What do you say to the family of a 45-year-old man who died in a tragic car accident a few days earlier and left behind a young son? As some of you know, I faced that situation just a couple of weeks ago after John Alberghini from our parish died in a head-on collision over on Old Hopkinton Road. Hopefully, you will never have to address an issue like this publicly in a memorial service or at a funeral mass, as I did the other day at John's funeral liturgy. But in all likelihood, my brothers and sisters, you will have to deal with this issue in private. For example, in one-on-one -on -one conversations with relatives and friends of people who died suddenly and unexpectedly, people like John Albergini and like the daughter of Jairus in today's Gospel story, that little girl, it says, was only 12 years of age. So what exactly do you say? What should you say? Well, sometimes it can be good and appropriate for us to say nothing or very little. Sometimes our presence with the grieving person is all that needs to be said. There's an old saying, we're all familiar with it, actions speak louder than words. That's very often true in situations like this. When I was a young priest, many moons ago now, I remember a priest who was older and much wiser saying to me, when tragedies strike, people will not always remember what you said to them, but they will remember that you were there. And there's a lot of truth in that. I found that out over the years. I know it by my own experience. I've told this story before in homilies. On the night that my father died back in 1971 when I was 14 years of age, my good friend Frank came over to spend the night at my house. I have no recollection whatsoever of a single thing that Frank said to me that evening. But I remember he was there and I will never forget it. He was there when I needed him the most. Now, when we do open our mouths and speak to a grieving person, one thing we should always avoid saying is, I understand exactly what you're going through. Because you know what? We don't. Dealing with the death of a relative or friend is a very individual thing. No two people handle it in exactly the same way. Your experience of dealing with the death of somebody close to you may be similar to my experience of dealing with the death of someone close to me, but it will never be the same in every way. At times, I will be moved to say to a grieving person, for example, to a young man who's lost his father at a young age, as I lost mine at a young age, I'll be moved to say to that person, I think I can understand a little of what you're experiencing right now. But that's as far as I'll go with it. To say anything more would be presumptuous and it would be wrong. 
although it can be helpful to try to imagine what the other person is experiencing, to put yourself in their place, so to speak. Not so that you can offer them some kind of pompous or sanctimonious advice, but rather so that you will have a deeper compassion for them in their suffering. My mother taught me this one many years ago. She said, Raymond, whenever you're dealing with a suffering person, put yourself in their place as best you can. Try to imagine what they're experiencing. It will make you more compassionate. And my mother was right, as usual. But compassion alone, my brothers and sisters, is not sufficient. If we really want to help others in their pain of loss, if we want to help them deal with that pain of loss, we have to have the right ideas in our heads about death. That's crucial. In other words, we need to know, we need to understand the truth that the Church teaches about our eternal destiny. We need to know that truth about death and what comes afterward so that we can help grieving souls embrace it, make it their own. Because it's only if they embrace this truth about death and life that they'll find hope, real hope, in the midst of their pain. Which is where today's first reading comes into the picture. When somebody dies suddenly and tragically, like John Albergini, I will very often suggest to the family that they choose this particular text from the Book of Wisdom to be the first reading for the funeral mass. I'll do that because there can be a tendency in situations like this to blame God, to blame God for the death of the loved one. Well, if people do that, they're going to turn away from the Lord, right? They're not going to turn toward Him, which is exactly what they need to do if they want to experience true hope. Listen again to this text. God did not make death, nor does He rejoice in the destruction of the living, for He fashioned all things that they might have being, and the creatures of the world are wholesome, and there is not a destructive drug among them, nor any domain of the netherworld on earth, for justice is undying. For God formed man to be imperishable. The image of his own nature he made him, but by the envy of the devil, death entered the world. I love this passage because it makes clear, first of all, that God is not the dealer of death. He's not the divine assassin, so to speak. Rather, as we say every week in the Nicene Creed, He is the Lord and giver of life. God gives life, not death. Death came into the world by the envy of the devil, as the text says. So He's the one we should blame, not the Lord. And envy is the perfect way to describe his attitude. That's another reason why I love this text, that word envy. Remember, envy is worse than jealousy. Some people use those words interchangeably. They're not exactly the same. The jealous person experiences resentment at the success or achievement of another individual. But the envious person goes one step further by trying to hurt or destroy the other person in his or her success or achievement. 
That's worse. And that describes Satan perfectly. Once Satan fell and lost his place in heaven, his attitude became, yes, I know, I'm going to hell. And I'm going to hell for all eternity. But you know what? I'm not going to go alone. I'm going to take as many angels and human beings with me as I possibly can. I'm going to destroy them for all eternity. That's envy. At its absolute worst. And it was out of this diabolical envy that he tempted our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. And we all know the rest of that story. The temptation led them to sin, the original sin, and this sin is what opened the door to sickness and death. But God did not abandon us because he loves us. And as this passage says, because he formed us to be imperishable, he sent his divine son into the world to restore what Satan had taken away. And in the process, God gave us something even greater, namely eternal life. As it says in the Catechism, the victory that Christ won over sin has given us greater blessings than those which sin had taken from us. And then the Catechism quotes Romans 5, where Paul says, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So yes, we physically die. But if we are united to Jesus by faith and die in the state of grace, we receive something much greater afterward. As St. Paul put it, and this is one of my favorite lines in the Bible, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. That's the good news of Christianity. That's the good news of our Catholic faith. And you see, if we can help people who have experienced a tragic death to understand and embrace this truth, they'll have hope. Their pain will not go away. That's true. Nor should it go away. The pain we experience at the death of a loved one is a sign of our love for that person. Remember, even Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. But they will have strength and hope in the midst of their pain and sadness. They won't blame the Lord for the tragic death of their relative or friend. Rather, they'll look to God in the confident hope that he's given their relative or friend the greatest possible gift of all, a perfect life that will never end. Hopefully this homily has given you at least a few insights on what to say and on what not to say when somebody dies tragically. Which brings me to my final word of advice. Remember to pray. Prayer has to be at the foundation of everything we do as Catholics. So always remember to pray before you speak to any suffering person. Ask the Lord to guide you in your speech or in your silence so that you will be his instrument, his instrument of comfort, his instrument of hope, his instrument of peace.